0: You know, I think what it made really clear is that it's okay to have that pick yourself up by the bootstraps, but it's not okay to keep it for 10 years, right? Like that is what I learned from my story going through that. I had night terrors. I was overwhelmed. I was stressed. This impacted me for 10 years because I was just continually like, I got to get through. I got to survive. Life doesn't stop. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And I never stopped to process, to feel anything, to do anything. And now when something hard happens, I get myself through it, the initial stuff, and then I allow myself to feel and I allow myself to break down if I need to break down, you know, or get the help that I need, whereas that didn't happen before. That thing can be anything for anyone. And I call that thing creative stress reduction. And really, creative stress reduction is all about stepping out of fight or flight and into a state of play. If we can step out of fight or flight and into a state of play, we can get rid of our stress. We can squash our anxiety. We can really start thinking clearer because we're processing our emotions. We're able to move forward beyond that. And that's when the 10 years ended for me and I was able to start moving forward and function like a normal human being again.
1: That's Carly Myers, and I'm Brian Felchuk. The Do A Day Podcast. Well, you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned. I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day-doers, welcome to another episode of the Do A Day podcast, where I bring you incredible people who have been through something real, learn from it and are here to help inspire you as you go through your own journey in life. The good, the bad, the opportunities, if we want to phrase that differently, for better. Today's guest is, um, there's a period in this one where, you know, a not safe for work kind of warning, pretty heavy stuff that's discussed, um, and then we go through the rest of it, but there's definitely a tough moment uh, about pretty heinous crime that was committed uh and death murder um so an upfront warning because i you know i do share that when these are tougher episodes or a bit more real maybe be mindful of who's around if you're listening without headphones my guest is carly myers carly uh when she was young 11 12 years old um Her parents had been divorced. Her mother was dating a guy who was dangerous and unstable. And after she broke up with him, he ended up coming back. And her mother at that point was with someone else. He broke in and uh, he tried to kill the two of them. Uh, I will leave the rest of those details for the episode, Um, but it is pretty heavy. And Carly was in the house at the time, as was her sister, and so you can imagine the kind of trauma, PTSD associated with that. And so we get into what life was like after that, the mechanisms and methods that are typically shared to deal with that, what was and wasn't done, and ultimately what Carly did to deal with it herself, which started with a pick yourself up by the bootstraps and try to make everything perfect. So, you know, great grades, no problems, don't make trouble. Until it got to a point where she couldn't fake it anymore. She couldn't just pick herself up. She had to deal with it. And what she discovered in that process was that none of the things people had been giving her worked for her. And instead, she discovered the power of creativity and specifically using creativity as a form of stress reduction, which is what she teaches today in her business, The Stress Less Company, where she's trying to help people Really, use creativity as a mechanism to move their lives forward and to work through what they've faced, deal with the trauma, and bring themselves back to a place of better. You know, whatever better may look like. Really, um, Carly's very clear and concise and clean. And you can imagine going through what she went through to arrive at that kind of place must take some real work and connection. And so I think there's a lot of power in what she's talking about and hearing her today, it, it's an illustration of the power of what that's all about. So her focus in life is very much around stress reduction, which might sound somewhat simple to people, but it's not simple at all. It's incredibly powerful. Frankly, we all deal with it. And when you get into why you have stress, it's not just because you've got stresses in life. There are stressors everywhere, whether they stress us and how they stress us. That's about us and what we've been through. And so it's not as simple as just, oh, relax, do some meditation, do yoga. You know, she did all those things that wasn't working. So this is a a whole other level. Um, Really powerful stuff that I think all of us really does need. And I'm so thankful to be able to bring Carly's work to you in this episode. So let's jump in with Carly Myers. Carly Myers. Thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, I got to start with a shout out to Michelle Bronson for making the connection. Um, I'm saying that a lot lately for good reason. She's connecting me with some really cool people. But when she was sharing a bit of your story, I was frankly, I was floored. And to hear where you're at today, I was like, this is a woman who needs to be on this show. I would love to get the story out. So I'm honored to have you here. Um, even personally, like i I want to hear your story in your words. So, thank you.
0: Thank you for having me. No yeah. pressure. Yeah, no, no pressure. pressure
1: whatsoever. <laughs> um, so, all right, we're going to set all the pressure aside. Quick, easy, maybe not quick, but easy question uh, just to start is just a high level like, who are you? What do you do these days? And then we'll get, we'll go into the backstory and kind of what led to all that.
0: Yeah. So, I'm Carly Myers. I am the founder of the Stress Loss Company. And what I do is I help people who are overworked, overwhelmed, on the verge of burnout, relieve stress so that they can find more joy in their lives, in their careers, in their families and beyond.
1: That is an unbelievably necessary thing today. Like The number of burnout and stress and overload and prioritizing type conversations that I get into on a regular basis, like we we just got into it in the last interview I was doing, it's like, hey, you just help this one person. Or, I was going to take this month off, but, you know, there's just these things going on. It's like that mm-hmm. word just justifies yep. us pushing even further. And you end up like probably with good intentions, but you end up taking on things that you don't do as well as you would if you made those calls, let alone the impact on yourself.
0: Yeah. Um, I read a stat recently on Gallup, on the Gallup website, 85% of us have experienced high levels of stress in the last month. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's act stress and burnout are absolutely an epi- epidemic right now. Yeah. Sure.
1: Um, my last article for Inc was on burnout as the only one I did on that subject matter. And it did 10 times the reads of my next highest one, which was like about Warren Buffett or Steve Jobs or something, which like you put their <laughs> name in and everybody reads it. But burnout was like off the charts and it's just a sign to me that like, everybody is really struggling with this, whether they admit it or not, or they get into this competition where it's like, oh, I only slept this much. Oh, that's that you slept that much. Like you're a baby. I slept, you know, it's (laughs) like you get into this pride of who has it worse.
0: Yeah. Well, busy is the new status symbol.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, So, all right, now we are going to get into your backstory that led you to, well, I have to say it doesn't necessarily feel like a direct connection And that's why Mm. I want to hear it. Like, I I see it, but not as it's not like you were this corporate power, whatever, that like you burnt out and then you learned all this stuff and had your recovery. And there's a much deeper story than that.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, and don't get me wrong. I had my troubles in my nine to five when I did that, too. But But it's
1: it's not that simple.
2: Not at all. Yeah.
0: Not at all. Um, Yeah. So in terms of where I've come from you know, when I was 11 or 12 years old, um, a man was murdered in my house and my mom was shot three times. Yeah. And around that time, just before then my parents had gotten separated. And so my mom started dating again. And so she, you know, dated a guy here, dated a guy there. And finally she lands on this guy who she starts dating for a few months. And my dad was a former correctional officer, and you know, having two daughters was like, ain't nobody going to be around my kids yeah. unless I know, you know, what their story is. So he's, and, he's
1: still in the picture and everything.
0: Yeah, he's, yeah. Good dad just separated. Yeah. Just okay. separated from his mom. And so he does a little bit of research on the guy and this new guy and turns out that he actually had an extensive history of domestic violence. Wow. Um, this guy actually tried to strangle his ex-wife with a towel. Um, and was on parole for it. And so he goes back and tells my mom and my mom, of course, she doesn't go to the new guy and is like, I heard, you know, you have domestic violence. No, she didn't say anything like that. She just kind of went, you know, like, Hey, it's not you. It's me. I just got separated. I wasn't ready. Yeah. It's just too soon. And on the three month anniversary of their breakup, he broke into my childhood home, killed her new boyfriend and tried to kill her. And for me, I, you know, I was young. I was in the house. Now I didn't see anything, but I heard as much as I needed to hear. And as a young girl, I really, really struggled just having having experienced that and having seen my mom being taken to the hospital and her being in medically induced coma. By the way, she was shot point blank in the back of her head, through her arm and in her L5 of her spine. I mean, these are not, this is not just like a simple yeah situation
1: I so I don't I don't want to cut the story but it, this is this is one of the things that shocked me about it is she's alive today
0: she is alive and well
1: which I hmm? I feel like i I don't share that consistently when I share my wife's story and then people are left hanging and they're like wait and I was like oh yeah because I, I I just accept she's alive and so I, I don't always pause to but this is one where where your mother was shot. I don't think there's a single person listening who would expect that piece of it. So I I wanted to make that clear because it allows for a different way to take the story in.
0: Yeah, because I want them to hear
1: the rest of it. Do, were you the one who called nine one one?
0: My sister was. My older sister was. We actually had um we had a plan because my he had threatened to kill her prior. Uh. So my so she had a restraining order against him, and there was nothing we could necessarily do as. My dad could do to get. Yeah. Like, we didn't know what to expect, so it, my dad had a plan for us. Okay. My sister was to call nine one one, and I was supposed to call him. But in the craziness, if anything ever happened. Yeah. Which it wasn't supposed to. And this is probably and, not
1: the thing that he expected to happen, regardless.
0: Not at all. Um, and I actually left. I in all the chaos and and trying to get my mom out of the bedroom and all of the craziness forgot my phone. So my sister called 911 and then we drove to a neighbor's house and my neighbors called my dad and notified him. And you you can bet that he got there very fast. Yeah. Very fast, for sure.
1: Did the the ex-boyfriend, the perpetrator, did he leave? Like did he do this and split? Like where where was he?
0: Yeah. He he killed the new boyfriend. He thought he had killed my mom cuz she was yeah. lying yeah the ground and um he split supposedly and uh, you know i wasn't in the courtrooms i was too young to be in the courtrooms but according to the the news he actually had called his ex-wife who he had tried to strangle in a prior relationship and um yeah he escaped called her first thing found out through her that he hadn't succeeded in killing my mom was like are you he was like are you kidding me i did all this work for nothing and then um the police recovered him I forget exactly where, but he had a gun to his head, threatening to take his own life. Uh, He didn't succeed in that. He's got life in prison.
1: Yeah. Was the ex-wife helpful in bringing him to justice or was she helping him?
0: I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm not sure. And honestly, I'm not sure I want to know the answer to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I think in her circumstance, though, it was better someone else, not me.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Well, and she had gotten that fear play straight in her face. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. So, you know, for me going through that as a young girl, I struggled for a really long time. Sure. You know, I, all of the symptoms of PTSD, night terrors, jumpiness, I yeah. mean, you name it. And then there were, you know, the other, the other things like just overall stress, overall, over overwhelm, anxiety, and, what was interesting about that time in my life is that I, um, what I, I, believe there were some laws around this in the state of Maryland. Like if a child goes through th- something traumatic, they, they have to go see a therapist. And so my sister and I ended up in a therapist's office and talking th- through things with her together, and, but together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And for one reason or another, whether the therapist thought we were okay or our parents couldn't afford therapy or some other mysterious reason, we never actually ended up continuing therapy
2: yeah
0: and on the other side of the coin, I grew up in a fairly religious family, so we were in church every Sunday, and that was another community that would is supposed to support people who've gone through something really tough
2: yeah
0: and it's kind of an important thing to note about going through this is that my family was in turmoil, yeah. right my My sister was 16, 17. She wasn't over the divorce, like the separation yet, let alone like her mom being in medically induced coma. Um, and my dad was technically still married to my mom and they were having conversations with the doctors about pulling the plug on her, right? Like family, there was infighting and, and just everyone was overwhelmed and, and stressed about what was going on. And so for me, the answer was pick yourself up by the bootstraps you're going to get straight A's. You're going to be on a roll. You're going to do the extracurriculars. You're going to do anything that you can to make sure that your family doesn't know that anything's wrong. Because if something's wrong with you, everything's going to fall apart.
1: Why why do you think you reacted that way? Because this this is something that really interests me about people because you can take one of two very different paths. Was, Mm -hmm. Was this something in how you were wired to begin with? Like, how do you come to, at that young of an age, come to that kind of decision, which is very mature in some sense and dangerous in another for the long term, but mature in terms of the impact on everybody else, mm-hmm. um, that level of taking responsibility. What, tell me about that.
0: Um, I don't know if I would call it taking responsibility. I w I wouldn't, I don't think that it was that conscious of a decision. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that there's, in terms of trauma, there's a lot of judgment around our responses to things. Um, I found out that whenever I experience trauma, that is my, my response is, what do I need to do? How do I need to show up? What do I need to fix to get through this? Um, you know, I, when I, as a 12-year-old girl, I went into the emergency room, saw, looked into my mom's eyes, they were filled with blood, and did not cry. And that, to me, was traumatic in and of itself as a young yeah. girl. Why didn't I cry? Yeah. Why wasn't anything right? But it's just I think what I've found it to be is just like that's my response. Yeah. My response: pick yourself up by the bootstraps. Let's get through this. Whereas somebody else's response is going to be, I can't. I'm going to. I'm going to step back. A great example of of this showing up recently in my life is in the last year, um, my partner and I lost our dog. Right. Uh-huh. My response was to be like, wh- how are we going to, okay, how are we going to do, like, what are we going to do? We got to go to the cremation place. We got to get this done. We got to get that done. We got to get everything done. And his response was to hold himself in his emotions and then call family and ask for support, right? So it's everybody has different ways of, res- of responding to trauma and yeah. tragedy, but it's just a matter of what comes up for you. Yeah.
1: Do you, as you look back on events in your life before this one, obviously not as profound. Do you find yourself making the same sort of like pick yourself up decisions or was this a catalyst for a shift in your response to these tougher moments where something's not going right?
0: You know, I think what it made really clear is that it's okay to have that pick yourself up by the bootstraps, but it's not okay to keep it for 10 years.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Like that is what I learned from my story. You know, going through that I had night terrors. I was overwhelmed. I was stressed. This, impacted me for 10 years because I was just continually like, I got to get through, I got to survive. Life doesn't stop. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And I never stopped to process, to feel anything, to do anything. And now when something hard happens, I get myself through it, the initial stuff. Yeah. And then I allow myself to feel and I allow myself to break down if I need to break down, yeah. you know, or get the help that I need. Whereas that didn't happen before.
2: Yeah.
1: Wow. Um, so so you pick yourself up you start pushing yourself academically and in all these other areas like star performer everything's fine with carly
2: mm-hmm. and this
1: goes on for a decade a decade plus what mm-hmm. what are some of the what are some of the the like most stressful moments the toughest things that you put yourself through to be at that level so that no one would ever question what was going on with you
0: i don't know if i have a direct answer for that to be honest. I think like at that point it was, I mean, life, life as usual, like, like typical stuff. But, you know, what I was going through is not, you know, not constant night terrors, yeah, constant and waking up, not getting enough sleep, waking up, crying, waking up, shaking, waking up, terrified.
2: Yeah.
0: And then wake, you know, forcing myself to go back to sleep, be like, you don't got time. You, nobody has time for yeah. night terrors. You got to get enough sleep because you got to get up for this. Um, and, know, not was, and not telling anyone and not I had one up for about five years. It was no one. And then luckily I had a high school boyfriend that I finally opened up to. But what's interesting too, as we go along in that like 10 year span is that I would finally start opening up to people. And I constantly got these mainstream approaches to manage, like people kept giving advice, mainstream approaches to managing stress. So I would hear, um, just meditate. I would hear exercise always makes me feel so much better. Right. I would, I would hear, um, all of these mainstream approaches to managing stress. I would hear therapy and and my response was like, are you kidding me? Like that was check that one off. I tried that one and I'm not in a position to, To do that I'm a kid um getting older realizing how expensive it is and then so I kept hearing like all of these mainstream approaches and trying them out of desperation and nothing working
2: Mm.
0: and for me it was like a whole exploration process and also just like trying to trying things that everyone said worked, like yoga right like I was like everybody says yoga works so I'm just gonna keep going I'm gonna keep trying it's just gonna work for me and it wasn't working yeah and so I think a lot of the the years were wasted for- trying to force force tactics and tools that just weren't gonna work for me and that's the ten years kind of finally ends when I find the thing that works for me at the time, which was creativity and sketching out my night terrors and sketching out my emotions and just getting in touch with them on a whole new level and processing them on a whole new level um And I want to say from just like the professional's perspective of like owning the stress-less company and working with so many clients, that thing can be anything for anyone. And I call that thing creative stress reduction. And really creative stress reduction is all about stepping out of fight or flight and into a state of play. If we can step out of fight or flight and into a state of play, we can get rid of our stress. We can squash our anxiety, we can really start thinking clearer because we're processing our emotions. We're able to move forward beyond that. And that's when the 10 years ended for me. And I was able to start moving forward and function like a normal human being again.
1: What, 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 what were you creating? What was the creative outlet for you?
0: For me, it was, I just had a sketchbook and a pencil. I had a sketchbook and a pencil and that evolved from there into painting in high school. Right. That in college, um, creating, just creating visual art. And that involves evolved into gardening and that it evolved into, I have this great picture of me putting my adult sized body into a child sized turtle shell at the aquarium, right? Like there's just all, <laughs> it can be anything Yeah, really. And it, it morphs and changes as you morph and change and grow.
1: Yeah. Did you do the painting behind you?
0: No, I didn't. I didn't. That's actually my partner's painting, but I have,
1: I know no one can see on the podcast. So we're, they're losing out right now, but I've been admiring that. It's super cool.
0: Yeah. It's a great minimalist painting for sure. Um,
1: For sure. So that is, so actually you're with someone creative as well. Do you Mm -hmm. think that's on purpose? (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's funny. I always said I would never be, I would never be with someone who was also an artist cause I would just, we would just murder each other. <laughs> but, uh, no, it actually really, it helps cause they understand what it's like to need to process things in a nonverbal way.
2: Hmm.
0: Right. There's, I think a lot of our culture, especially when it comes to stress, our go-to is to recommend people to work through things verbally or linguistically. Yeah go to therapy, talk to a friend, call your mom, journal. These are all language-based processing tools. And I think there's something about an artist that just gets that we can, we can process emotions and subconscious thoughts and feelings without ever hitting the language barrier. So That's it's really actually been, yeah, it's been a really powerful to have someone who just gets that yeah. and does it themselves.
1: I'm curious to know today if movement is part of your routine now. Cause it, you could, you could argue that like yoga is art for the body. Mm. Or is it still not? You, you don't, you don't have to do yoga. It's okay. if you, <laughs> I don't. Um, I have, but I don't currently. Um, yeah. I'm just, I'm just curious because you're, you're listing off a variety of different creative outlets and ways of expressing so many different aspects of your being. So I'm curious if like movement and bring your body in as a, like instead of the, the paintbrush, like your body is part of that, if that's evolved for you at all or dance or something.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny. Cause I danced for 15, 16 years. So my moving in my body was just huge for me throughout my entire childhood. And mm. when I found it to be incredibly helpful, um, it wasn't when I was younger, it wasn't enough for me in terms of yoga. You know, one of the things that I find to be really interesting about it is that it's kind of like all it's a, for lack of a better way to say, it, it's kind of like all hail the yogis. Yeah. Um, and I say that because for me, um, going through PTSD having night terrors, which are a very specific flavor of a dream. And then my nightmares, I had n- nightmares where I dr- would drown and that's associated with being overwhelmed and not yeah. being able to handle everything that's going on in our lives. So when I get into a yoga room, And someone's asking me to hold my breath. The box breathing is really common. You know, inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four. That was a trigger for me. Yeah. Right. Immediately go back to those nightmares where I'm drowning. And so for me, I, I, by the way, I love restorative yoga. I go to restorative yoga all the time. I've done power. Like I've done it all. Yeah. But I know what works for me and what doesn't. And I don't participate in things that aren't going to serve me.
1: How did you figure that out? Knowing what where that line is for you, it's just like so when you said before, like now you know like you can I have think... the pick yourself up and then there comes a point where you need to grieve or you need to feel it, and like how do you know when that line has been reached and when you've now done enough of that to be able to move forward?
0: Mm. I think one feels like you're if we take like the image of like a whole carrying a bunch of baggage. One feels like you're like working on getting that baggage untethered from your body, hmm. or from you. And then the other feels like you're just dragging it behind you. And I think that that's like more of an intuitive gut response, right? Like, does this feel like I'm lightening my load or does it feel like I'm just wearing myself out over this?
2: Hmm.
1: I like that as a way to check in because I think. On the one hand, we look for the prescriptive answer, like you need to do this for this long and then you're okay and then you can move on. It's like we're talking about a very personal need to transition through something. And if you're having trouble trusting your intuition or trusting yourself to begin with or connecting with it, would you know when that transition is? Do you do you think that's an issue still?
0: No. I just ha- actually had a speaking engagement this morning. For the national association of women business owners. And I got a question on, on almost exactly what you said, which was, how do I know if I can trust my gut,
2: Mm.
0: like my intuition? And they're like, how do I know even with trauma, if I can trust that, like what's trauma and what's my intuition? And I would say our gut is almost always right no matter what, like what trauma does is it just puts a magnifying glass on that gut feeling Mm. and it just makes it louder. Mm -hmm. It makes it harder for you to ignore. And I think there's a difference between a gut feeling and then the body holding trauma, Mm -hmm. right? Like I think the body holding trauma, like one of the exercises that I give to some of my clients that they don't know, like there's so many of us that suppress stress and they're the bootstrappers. They don't allow themselves to feel emotions. One of the exercises that I recommend It's just like going to a mirror and looking yourself dead in the eyes and saying something not so nice to see how stress shows up in the body. And it's such such a counterintuitive recommendation. But so say I look myself in the mirror and I say like something that could be really hurtful. Like I hate you. You're ugly. Like you're the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like that's pretty mean. I'm looking myself in the eyes. As I say it, I immediately feel the response in my body. I know where the trauma is held. I know where the, the stress is held. I feel it. I feel it in the heartburn area, right? Yeah. In, I feel it in my eyes and I feel it in my temples. So I that's different. Those three feelings are different than a gut, that gut feeling. Very different. And you can do the same thing for positive emotions because so many of us, if we're suppressing our bad stuff, we're suppressing our good stuff. We're not allowing ourselves to celebrate and be happy either. Look yourself in the mirror and say like, you're kick ass. You're, you're amazing. Right. You can say kick ass. That's okay. Okay. I didn't know if we were editing on this show. So
1: I think, I think kick ass is still before the line where I have to change it to an explicit show. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You can look yourself in the mirror and be like, you're kick ass. You're amazing. You're beautiful. And you feel that a different way in your body. Like I feel my chest opening. up. Yeah. And so then we can say, If we're the type of person that suppresses emotions, we can just go back to the body and be like, how does my body feel right now? Oh, my shoulders feel open. Oh, things are good. Mm -hmm. Or I feel the head, I feel it in my head and in my eyes and in my, you know, in my heart or in my chest, things are not good. Okay, what do I need to start working on? But I think those bodily reactions are different still from that gut intuition feeling.
1: Yeah. It's an interesting exercise. I've never heard anyone who's like I mean, I, I think about like the Stuart Smalley SNL skit like talking, you know, positive, self-reinforcing language in front of the mirror. And I'm like, who's ever said say mean things to yourself? But I get the point. That it's yeah. like if you if you're having trouble discerning between the gut feel and just general pain or general fear, test it. Force yourself to do a safe experiment to get that feeling and and explore it so you can sort of tune in to know what to look for. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really interesting. Yeah. It's, it's not something I would have ever recommended because I feel like <laughs> we're always focused on positive self-talk and positivity. Um, that's really interesting. I I'm scared to try it, which sounds really silly, but I think there's value in that. I'm going to, I'm going to do
0: it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, it it really is. It's, there's power in knowing how it shows up in the body, especially if we are the avoider. Yeah. Cause I spent 10, I mean, I spent 10 years avoiding and I couldn't understand why my stomach hurt all the time. couldn't understand why I had chronic headaches. I couldn't understand why all these physical symptoms were happening. Mm. They weren't actually like you, and then go to the doctor and nothing's wrong. They weren't actually health issues. They were my, my emotions, trying my body, trying to tell me something. Right? Yeah. Like, yo, like pay attention to what's going on here. We've got some stuff to work out. And that's the same thing for like your listeners who maybe have night terrors or stress mares. Like if we don't start getting in touch with with our emotions and we can do it through that exercise, if we don't start getting in touch with our emotions, that's when night terrors come up. That's mm-hmm. when stress mares come up. Because the like regardless of if we try when we're awake or not, like our minds have to process the information.
1: Yeah. I've never heard this term stress mares. Stress mares. Yeah. I mean, I guess uh, it's the combination of stress and nightmare, but what what specifically does it mean?
0: Mm, you know, I don't even know if this is a term that's widely used. I've created the, the def- differentiation of them because I've experienced all differentiation, like all different types of dreams. Yeah. And it's really important for me to differentiate because night terrors where you're, you know, being chased and mur- like trying to, someone's trying to murder you and like all sorts of crazy stuff. Like that's a night terror. Yeah. A nightmare might be um, we're, like I would consider a um, a nightmare being like a drowning dream. Mm-hmm. That would be a nightmare. That's scary, but it's not as scary as someone trying to murder you. Yeah. Um, and then stress mare. I used to have stress mares. like I used to manage a smoothie shop and I used to have this stress mare where the big canister of strawberries would come out of the freezer and just fall on the ground and go everywhere. Right. Like it's not a good dream. It's yeah. just a stress mare. It's like something that stresses me out that had stressed me out at work because the freezers were slippery and you know. Yeah. I would consider that a stress mare. Okay. So it's just like the differentiating different different levels yeah. that the dream like causes an emotional reaction.
1: Got it. Stress mare is lower on the the threshold or the scale. Yeah. Okay.
0: Just just above dream. <laughs> yeah. Just above plain old dream. Yeah.
1: But it's it's probably, I mean, getting into your work right now, it's probably one of the most common kinds of dreams that people end up having is these like, how, I mean, I don't know how many adults have just like nice dreams. Wake up, I'm like, oh, that was really nice. I, that was a nice experience. I'd like to have that again. It's like the doldrums and the okay. things that are wearing you down in life manifest out in dreams either exactly the same way as that, you know, the like like the smoothie shop. Or some twisted version of it, or your teeth all fall out and you're trying to speak publicly, or whatever it might be. I've had that one several times. Um. Anyway, yeah i I imagine actually, when as you're describing that, a lot of people are like, "That's kind of regular dreams for me."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The strawberry's yeah. falling out.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and that is still that too is like another. Another moment of not processing. But I would say, like, just to comment on your point about not having good dreams, I think most of us don't remember them because they don't elicit the same response. Yeah, fair as point. Those other dreams. So, like, for, for those of you who are like having, like, you're like, I never dream or I only have nightmares or I only have stress mares, I would challenge you to, like, when your alarm goes off, stay in, like, it, it's actually been proven that if you stay in the same position that you woke up in, Mm-hmm. That your more your brain actually will is more likely to kind of bring the dream to the forefront for you to remember
2: mm-hmm.
0: so um that's something that I recommend regardless of like if we don't dream at all if we're we're having nightmares or we're having good dreams like just to remember our dreams because our subconscious is trying to process something, and yeah. if we can bring it from our subconscious to our consciousness and allow ourselves to process it, then we can stop experiencing the stress mirrors or the night terrors or you know whatever it is that we're going through
1: yeah. So after the decade, you get into the creative stuff, you start to process, you start to work through, what's your life look like after that? And how does that get you to where you're at now?
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, so I I pursued, I actually ended up pursuing a career in the arts. And I thought that that was going to be like, I was going to transform so many lives through the arts, And like, because art saved me. And then I quickly realized that it wasn't like art wasn't the answer. Mm. Um, and I have to tell you that I, when I discovered creativity and I discovered like that, it's just like creative stress reduction in general is the thing that like, it's the solution to stress or the remedy, if you will. I spent a few years being pissed off that no one was Why? talking about. It. Nobody was talking about it. Right. Like all I heard was meditate, meditate, go to the gym, go to therapy, go to church, like maybe one more, like five mainstream approaches to managing stress. And when I figured out that there's no one size fits all when it came to stress management, I was furious. How could some, like, how could all, like all of humanity, like not be having a conversation on letting go of this? Cause this is not like, it's not just, it wasn't just me. I read those stats, like 80, 85% of us are going through this. And so I spent a few years being really angry and then realized that, you know, really angry and also creative, (laughs) but then I realized that it was my job. Like no one's talking about it. I need to talk about it. Mm. And that's, that's really how I ended up landing with the stress less company is that we're, we're here. To talk about it. We're here to raise awareness that it's not just, it's not one size fits all. Everyone has their own unique approach approach to stress management. Everyone has their own triggers that we don't want to touch, right? Like we need, we need a solution. That's not just, you know, here's a pill or here's, you know, this other mainstream approach. We needed something else.
1: So how long have you been doing this?
0: So just about five years now.
1: And do you feel like people are talking about it because you're talking about it now? Like, are you getting, are you getting more comfortable that the word is growing?
0: Yes, absolutely. I would say, especially in Philadelphia, which is where I'm located, there's a lot of buzz happening about it. Good. And that makes me feel really good. And as I get, you know, get the opportunity on amazing podcasts like yours and really feel the grassroots movement happening beyond me. Yeah. You know, when I, when I first started, it was just kind of me, I felt like shouting Uh, from the, like the rooftops into the abyss. Um, but now conversations are, I like, I'm seeing them on online and in person where people are just starting to, to open up about this, but not only stress about mental health in general, I feel like we're like starting a wave towards in, in the right direction towards all of that.
1: No, I totally agree on that. So the follow-up question I was going to ask was, so it's good that you're seeing momentum, you're seeing progress, you're seeing more, more conversation about it, especially around you. Is there a point where, if you were to to look at it and be like, okay, it's hit that? Like, do you think there's ever ever a level that's enough? And I ask that of people who their work is around having some level of impact that helps others, and it's like, what is the measure where you know, like, I've achieved what I was hoping to achieve? Do you think there is an end?
0: Yeah. Like w- at what point am I going to be jobless? <laughs>
1: you don't have to be jobless and it doesn't have to stop But where you feel like the world is good and we do need to continue this work, but we've done it. We're over the hump now.
0: Yeah, no, no. My goal is to be jobless. My goal is to have no more work left to do in, okay. this, in this field, in this of stress management. I think that if we get to the point where the majority of us or where all of us know That we can't necessarily stop our stress triggers, but we can stop our responses to it, which means um, we can prevent, we can actually do prevent stress prevention and be proactive about making sure stress doesn't grow. Like I think that's the point. Like I don't think there's ever gonna be a point in our lives where tragedy doesn't happen or where we like layoffs happen, job losses, right? Like things happen. Stress triggers are gonna be there, but if we can get to a point where we feel that stress, like the emotional response to that trigger and we choose not to go into the spiral
2: mm-hmm.
0: of stress and we choose to think about it as, as a good thing. Mm. Like this, there, there's two, so there's different types of stress. There's like the bad stress, chronic distress, all of that. There's also this thing called eustress and it's stress that we perceive as good. Yeah. And the body actually responds differently to stress depending on how we perceive it. So if we perceive stress as a bad thing, our blood vessels actually constrict constrict, which means our body is kind of fighting itself to function, to be able to rise to the occasion. But if we view it as good, our blood vessels expand. So if we, and, and that means like our blood is able to flow through where oxygen is, oxygen is able to get to our brains. We're able to focus. We're able to actually rise to the occasion. If we can choose to view our stress as an opportunity for growth, like, turn obstacles into opportunities and we can view stress as a good thing. I think my work is done.
1: Yeah. There's, um, there's scientific research from the, uh, endurance sports world around this where, um, they put people on like a, a stationary bike or something and, you know, they put them in a pretty tough workout and they make them smile In one of them, so they do a control ride and then, you know, rest and make sure they're fully recovered and they test their blood, like to make sure of that. But then they have them do a similarly tough workout, but they have them smile and they measure the points where they smile, what happens to their performance. They do it with runners too. And you see that there's a spike in performance and a lowering in like cortisol levels and the signs of damage to the body from performing that way. So I, after reading that, like I took that on anytime I've been in a race or, or anything where I've been in a tough moment, I smile and I know like some other people might look at me and think that's weird, but I a hundred percent feel it. It mm-hmm. just changes. Like you can't, you can't help it. It changes the way things are going.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, that reminds me of like a all the hacks that we hear, we can actually trick our bodies into tricking our minds to feel yeah. less stress. So like smiling is a really great example, power posing, like our arms are up in the air and we're in a big X or we have our hands on our hips and our legs are wide, like Superwoman. like that actually changes our physiology and it tr- changes the way we start to perceive. It creates more confidence. Yeah. So that's another great hack when you're feeling stressed. If you can't even get yourself to try to view it as an opportunity to shift your body. Yeah. Yeah. A I little, think that's a great yeah.
1: example. It's a little bit of fake it till you make it, but. The difference here is like when, when people say it's in your head, that's like a it's demeaning, it's a blow off, but actually it's very real because there's real stuff happening in your body as a result of what's in your head. there's hormones that are or aren't being released like you said like blood vessels are constricting or they're opening up there there are actual physical manifestations, so if you want to fake it till you make it, so to speak, what you're doing is telling your head to trigger a set of biological responses that are different. So it's a very real thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just had a conversation with a client yesterday about, um, perspective. Mm. And so he's, he's of the Jewish faith. So he talked about, you know, the, the good angel and the bad angel. And we kind of shifted into this old, I, I don't remember what culture it came from, but it was the, the tale of the two wolves Mm -hmm. and, um, It really is when it comes to mindset, it's, it's the tale of the two two wolves. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's really just, there's this older man telling this younger child, you know, this, this tale of two wolves and one is the wolf of, of all things good, you know, like happiness and prosperity and, you know, insert all of the amazing things here. And then the other one is the evil wolf and that's anger and hatred and, and all of those things. And the child looks at the older man and says, well, which wolf wins? And the man says, the one you feed. And that's, I think at the end of the day, what, what stress is like, we can choose to feed the mindset of stress is bad, or this is tearing my life apart or whatever. Or we can choose to say, this is, this obstacle is an opportunity. We can choose to feed that wolf. And let that get, that one get stronger and let that one win.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Um, yeah. If you know Marcus Aurelius Anderson, he talks about the gift of adversity and it really, like you use the word choice and I hit on that a lot in this show where some people cringe when they hear that or they get offended. Like, you know, I didn't choose this. Um, he was paralyzed from the neck down. He woke up that way one day and he got to a place where he chose to look at it as a gift instead of an adversity. And obviously he went through a very tough time before arriving at that moment. Um, He says if he could have been able to physically take all those pills or do something else to end his life, he would have, but he was paralyzed so he couldn't even kill himself. Um, But then he got, he got to a different mindset on it and he fed the other wolf. So to speak, that's a really, that's a really beautiful way to put it. I hadn't heard that before. I like that. Yeah.
0: It's a really great one. But I want to say that's like not to say that we don't hold ourselves in compassion and in our pain.
2: Mm. Like
0: I'm not say like I would say like it's not about ignoring the bad stuff and not acknowledging the bad stuff. It's holding ourselves in compassion. Like say like just acknowledging like I am in pain right now and everybody feels this way sometimes, but I'm choosing to give myself compassion. I'm choosing to view this as a good thing because that's what's best for me. Yes, it hurts and yes, it sucks, but I'm choosing to do what's best for me right now. So yeah. it's not to ignore the pain, it is really just to do what's best for you.
1: Yeah. Well, it goes right back to your point before about like, you don't just pick up, pick yourself up by bootstraps and move ahead now for ever. You have that moment where, or moments or however long it needs to be. Where you acknowledge you sit in it with yourself, you have compassion, you have empathy, you allow yourself to feel what you need to feel.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And not to say that I'm perfect. I'm just like everybody else, but I have that awareness, right? Yeah. And I think the first piece is awareness.
1: Well, no, I, I definitely get that. And it, it's like you said before, like life will always have tough moments. Um, anytime I hear people, it's like, I just have to get through this. Like, I just got to get through tax season and then we'll be fine. It's like, really? Cause like, there's always, yeah. there's always different things. It's like, you still need those tools regardless of whether you get through this thing right now that you think is the last tough thing you'll ever face. It's only tough if you allow it to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: Um, Carla, this is awesome. Really, really valuable insight. Um, Your story amazes me. And, the power that you have today, the strength—you know—I talked about like these these moments where we can choose different paths. Um, it is really amazing to me when when I have guests on like yourself who has who have been through things that are just so hard for the average person to fathom, and yet you stand in power pose today. Um, it's a testament to the yeah. So people can't see it, but she's just made a power pose. Um, it's a testament to the the choice and to our ability to do that. And hopefully that's something that people can take a bit of inspiration from no matter what they're facing. So I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all that with us.
0: Absolutely. It was the pleasure was all mine.
1: So where can people find out more about you and the Stress Less Company?
0: So you can find me on pretty much any social platform at the stressless co. And if you're interested in learning more about how to work with me and maybe you want to get to the root of your stress trigger, you can apply for a complimentary clarity session, stressless clarity session at stresslessco.com/apply.
1: Clarity session, I like that. I like that a lot. It oh. sort of boils down to. And they should be thinking about creative stress reduction
0: absolutely you can
1: make that term an everyday term so you can never work again um, <laughs> absolutely no that's awesome thank you so much for joining me today are you are you ready to help me close things out i am all right Today's a new day
0: go out and stress less
1: awesome thanks so much carly
0: thank
1: you it's a really clear powerful concise message from carly i remember that backstory I mean, to get to this place, it really does tell you the power of giving your mind a creative outlet, whatever that outlet may be, and allowing it to change and evolve over time. It's not to say the typical things that people would prescribe to you, whether that's a medical prescription or a friendly prescription, you know, movement, drugs, whatever it might be. Uh, they may still work, they may still have a place but they may not be enough and they may not work at all for some people. So having an open mind to bring creativity into your life as a way to reduce stress, you know, I've certainly seen it myself directly in lots of different ways. Being creative, you know, she talks about it, bringing play back into the equation, let your mind play. It's like, it's very healing. It's so interesting to me and it's really powerful Right. This isn't a light kind of thing. Just go back to her story. It's not just, oh, you know, things are too busy at work. I'm stressed. This is even for something as serious as what Carly went through. You know, not just the crime that was committed while she was at home, not just the whole situation in the wake of that break in and murder and what her mother went through but the years of the night terrors, the years of PTSD, the the lesser stress mares, it's a new word that I've learned, all of it. And also to be able to recognize that not every stress is bad, this you stress idea, to find a way to have the positive view of what's going on and benefit where we can benefit. There's value in all that. Definitely check out Carly's work. The stresslessco.com you can go to their site and get that complimentary stressless clarity session really valuable um, clarity you know that's the word i've i've said a few times like she's really clear she's concise what if you could have clarity and how to handle what frankly we all have going on follow carly check out what the stressless company has to offer see if it resonates for you you really have nothing to lose by trying and I know that none of us wants to continue on the path of stress that we all face. It's just not its not necessary. And Carly's a great reminder of that. So be willing to give it a try and do the work. Super, super valuable. All right, I'm going to leave it there. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Check out the rest of what I've got going on with Do A Day with the 50-75-100 solution. The TED Talks, my third TED Talks coming out really soon. I've now seen the video, just waiting for TED to approve it so it can go up on YouTube. And then I can share it with everybody. Who knows, maybe it'll even be live by the time this episode comes out. It's been almost a year, so (laughs) I'm not holding my breath. But I know it's in process now, which is really exciting. I can't wait to share that with you guys. Um, So don't miss news like that. Sign up for my updates at brianfalchuk.com. That's where you can also link to the show the books all of it so you never miss any of this content i'm putting out that is all meant to help you live a better life every single day it's up to you to choose to go out and do it and stress less all right everyone have a great day go out and do it take care